Welcome to Cover 3 Sports, the ultimate sports podcast featuring in-depth analysis, interviews, and expert opinions on the latest in the world of sports. Join your hosts, Matt, Nick, and David, as they break down the hottest headlines in the sports world, from the NFL to the NBA, MLB, NHL, and more. With their extensive knowledge and passion for sports, these three friends bring unique perspective to the table, sharing their insights on everything from game strategy to player performance and beyond. Whether you're a diehard fan or a casual spectator, Cover 3 Sports is the podcast for you. All right, guys. Good to be back. Uh, today, we're going to talk about um, a host of things. We're going to talk a little bit of NBA. We're going to talk about um, high school NIL deals, specifically Washington, because that's the state we have connections to. Uh, we're going to do some quick takes and probably lots of other random things along the way. How you guys doing? Say hi. Hey. Well, it's good to be hey, back. Hey, good evening, everybody. Good to be back. All right, guys. Uh, where do we want to start first? We want to go in NBA? Yeah, let's let's do NBA. All right, I'll let you yeah. guys move on that one because I'm not an NBA guy. I know a little bit, but. So for those out there, those NBA fans, we have the finals going to be starting here, coming up. And you got the uh, Denver Nuggets. That's going to be versus the Miami Heat. Um, and. I wanted to actually kind of push for this because normally the NBA is that one league that has the least amount of parity that you will ever see in any sports, any professional sports, uh, at least in my lifetime. And we now have a, a matchup that's actually not LeBron James, I guess you'd say. Uh, not the Warriors, and, you know, not of one of three teams that kind of, you know, is always there and always winning it and everything. Uh, we have Denver Nuggets, Miami Heat. I know the Miami Heat were there with uh, Dwayne Wade back, you know, back in the day, and then LeBron when he came there. But it's nice to see these two style of teams that kind of built from the ground up. Uh, you got two stars that I think embody of what the NBA should really cast their light on and Jimmy Butler and the, I mean, the very epitome of grit versus, um, oh man, how do you say his name? Because the Denver Knights uh, center. Is it Nikola Jokic or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Who's, I mean, a combination of, I would say Magic Johnson and probably Oscar Robinson or, or, maybe Wilt Chamberlain or something. I mean, the guy has got beautiful touch, uh, great strength, uh, amazing. I mean, I go out there and watch the passing of him as a center and the vision that he has. He looks like Steph Curry out there, you know, uh, just having these re remarkable passes. Or Magic Johnson, I think, is a, a better comparison. So it's I'm actually intrigued to watch the NBA Finals. And whoever wins, I think it's, it's going to be – a an amazing moment for the NBA to finally not have a team that spends over what is it a hundred million dollars in uh, over the cap that wins it all you know and it becomes to uh, how much more money are we going to spend on LeBron's team or on the Golden State Warriors to continue this dynasty so uh, yeah, what did you guys think the the last series uh, with the Celtics and the Heat and then. Denver and uh, the Lakers. Well, real quick, to, just to kind of talk, to, just to briefly uh, speak on what you were talking about, it is it is refreshing to see a different deal. I mean, obviously, like you know, you want there's great competition. I mean, I, I haven't really been the biggest fan of of how the NBA playoffs are formatted, and I understand the play-in tournament why they do it, just trying to make things interesting, especially at the end of the season, so teams actually have something to play for, so they're not basic. It's less of an incentive to especially sit players. Uh, which has been a bit of a of an epidemic, um, which I know is a bit of a fun word these you know over the past <laughs> years, but but truthfully, I mean it's it's something that happens that, that's been talked about, uh, and I think actually in in the off season they're going to be addressing some of those concerns, especially you know you you have fans that pay you know God knows how much money to see these players play, and imagine like you you spend 
you know, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to travel to your favorite team and then your favorite that and then their star players not going to play. Like, you know, injuries are one thing. Obviously, players can't play all 85, 82 games is 82 games, 82 games. Um, but regardless, I mean, come on, like you you play, you're being you, you get get out there. You know what I'm saying? It just it doesn't, to me it doesn't make any sense. It's just ridiculous to to how they how they were sitting those players. But regardless, that's a whole other topic. But no, I think it's refreshing to see uh to see these these great teams get through. Um, is it uh Yosic Yosic Nikola like the the Denver Nuggets center? I mean, obviously he's tremendous talent. Um, he is a formidable opponent for any against anyone. Um, but I do love the heat. I mean, the eight C versus the one seed, you know, that, that kind of deal. It, it hasn't a- happened too often. I don't, I don't think this is the first time in NBA history. I mean, I thought you can fact check me on that, but definitely it's one, you could probably count it on one hand where an eight seed has made it to the NBA finals uh, against a one seed. So this is going to be pr- some, some quite the history to see history in the making. Um, but with all that being said, I mean, I'm, I'm just excited to see where it goes, um, where it goes from here and everything. So, um, but yeah, but no, but it's been there's been some great series though up into this point that's for sure, uh, especially Celtics Heat. Um, the even the, honestly the Lakers, uh, the the Lakers Warriors, uh, series was actually really entertaining as well. I mean, seeing Steph Curry do old Steph Curry things, and it just ha- it had like a sense of like you know a peek into the past because obviously the torch has been passed. I think at this point, uh, when it comes to uh to different NBA stars throughout the league, um, not not. I mean, that- 38-year-old LeBron. I mean, I, I can't even can't even imagine being well, 38 years old and playing better than 95, 90 to 95% in a league still is impressive. Uh, whether people are a fan of LeBron or not, the the very idea that at 38 being out there. Yeah. And I mean, I watched that series and it was Le- Le- LeBron's show. I mean, Anthony Davis, who I don't know, uh, he's no Nicola. Like, it, the guy is just, I mean, one, watching Dem- the Nuggets destroy Anthony Davis in, in that series, well, I just was, I was shocked to, to, to one, but it became the LeBron show for Golden State on setting up everything, uh, which I don't think he gets enough credit for running uh, their uh, their play scheme and, and finding areas and passing and and uh, really kind of everything fun- funneling through him. But uh, 38, man, I, I, it's, uh, it's remarkable. But I, I think you're right. I, in that series, especially the Nuggets series, you saw everybody on the Lakers and, and even LeBron who had a terrible three-point uh, efficiency rating? Uh-huh. I, I think he. Uh, you can you saw his age there. I, I don't think that's going to be too many years of him left. Probably one to maybe two, and if he wants to kind of stretch it out when his son arrives in the NBA, if he does, then I can see that. But yeah, do you think? Do you think? I mean, obviously, any team that because. Uh... Well, as we know, uh, uh, Bronny is it Bronny Junior? Is that his name or Bronny? Yeah, yeah, is a USC Trojan. He is. So, That's correct. I hate him. Go, go, go Trojans! And uh, <laughs> but at this point, though, um, do you think? Well, I imagine any NBA team, no matter who drafts him, I mean, would would be would love, absolutely love the opportunity to be able to sign LeBron to a one year deal. I mean, you know how much the tickets would sell for that to see father and son play like that. I yeah. mean, that's crazy. Yeah. The the problem is, is that I think it's the same as Michael Jordan's son. Uh, you have a lot of former NBA stars, Hall of Famers, that have had sons that have worked their way up into college. And and I don't mean to, it's, it's, it's a little bit early to say this, but watching Bronny's games, he is a point guard body trying to play in a shooting guard, small forward level. And I don't see him having a a successful NBA career. But I'm saying this now. His younger brother, who is taller than him, he's really lanky. uh, That guy, 
I think could be the guy that be, uh, I mean, it's hard to be LeBron James, you know, that type of, you know, stature type of thing. But I think that the younger brother is the best. And that's a guy that didn't really play basketball until a bit l later in his childhood than Bronny did. Uh, but he just looks a hundred times better. It's kind of almost like the mellow. Uh, how, how old is he? The other son. Oh man. I think he's 16 or something like 16. Oh man. But even with that being said, I mean, it would be still Trojan be too. I, I, I still think it's that hurt when he became a Trojan that, I mean, he wasn't, <laughs> There was no scholarship going to Duke. There wasn't any interest going to Duke, which makes sense because, like, his they live in L.A. You know, he's not going to go to the East Coast, you know, away from his family and that whole system that they built uh, in L.A. type of thing. But part of me is – I mean, the only school that would make sense other than USC would be, would be <coughs> UCLA. Oh, or, yeah. Or Ohio State, that Ohio yeah. connection. Oh, there you go. I yeah. can see that. Yeah. But no, I think it's a little early. I mean, he's a freshman. I mean, you never know. I mean, players tend to separate themselves. I mean, the special players, especially like like uh, whether you see Steph when he played for Davidson um, or you see different players throughout the league that have come up through the ranks kind of thing. But um, but I, I don't know if he'll be a one-and-done type guy, which I think that would be a mistake. But I just That's don't – what I'm hearing. I'm hearing he's a one-and-done guy. Really? Yeah, he's highly rated for uh, high school recruits. You know, as far as that goes, I don't know a ton about him, but I know he had a high, high ranking. The the problem is, is that you're, you have an ecosystem that you've grown up with. With your dad is LeBron James, so what can UFC, USC offer him in a three four year ride? that his dad and NBA, you know, ecosystem can't provide. I yeah. think the only reason why he goes, he went to college is one to mark his own chapter Two, I don't think he had the skill set to go strictly into the NBA, like the D league and how they've kind of revamped that to yeah. get high school kids to go into that. I don't think he has the skills for that. And that's a lot of pressure. His dad went from high school straight to the NBA flourished uh the way that he did and to be that you know the lebron james son i don't think that would have been a smart even branding move to leap straight into the nba because then it, you're sitting in the d league and then that pressure mounts of well i mean your dad made it you know i think he's got to write his own story going to usc having the experience but i i, I mean i'm obviously a, a bit biased in this but i just don't know if any college team can teach him what he already doesn't have yeah. in his environment. So yeah, but no. it's going to be crazy for him. It's all about uh, atmosphere. I'm sure it's the big thing. Um, yeah. That being said, we kind of got sidetracked uh, NBA stuff talking about the finals. I mean, we can't talk about the finals without talking about the heat versus the Celtics. Celtics almost pull off the upset, which is crazy. As they they're what the one seed is that what we decided? Yeah, I think I think they were a two, weren't they? Or two seed, whatever. They were definitely the favored seed, and they went down 0-3. And I mean, congrats for them to fight back to a uh, game seven, but uh, too little, too late. Uh, real quick, who do you think uh, is favored going into the finals? It's got to be Denver. They've been the number one team all year. They're the most the deepest team. Uh, they have been the team, I guess, uh, that has put their foot on the, the, the gas and has just been there the whole year. And so Miami Heat, had, I think they were one of uh, the largest margins of turnarounds that the NBA has seen in, uh, in modern era of, uh, of where they were at at a certain point in the season to where they ended up getting into the to the playoffs, but it all goes through uh, Jimmy Butler. If Jimmy Butler and the, I can't remember the center's name, I never say his name right. Um, but if if J Jimmy Butler cannot be Jimmy Butler, then uh, I think the Heat gets swept because with the Denver, not only do you have the center to deal with, but you have Murray to deal with, who's a terrific 
and efficient, uh, highly efficient uh, point guard. You have that guy that came from Washington, I believe it was. Uh, his dad coached him. Um, I believe that's that's uh, the guy. He's playing there too as a shooting guard. He's got good good numbers shooting the three. Um, they got some good defenders. I, I think Denver's a more, more complete team. So yeah. I see them uh, winning it. I agree. The Heat, uh, the one thing about the Heat, giving back three games after that is, I mean, they look tired. They had to play a lot to get there. They had to play a lot to get through that series. You know, um, I don't think it would be a sweep because I think but Jimmy Butler's too tough for that. Call a gentleman sweep, 4-1. Um, but the Denver should come in. This should be about as easy a ride as they could hope for in a finals. Yeah. Well, especially with Josich, I mean, I, I just don't see – I mean, who who matches up against him, you know, on that team? I just don't know. But I mean, oh, but I did look it up, by the way. So the last eight seed to make the NBA finals uh, was 1999, the Knicks. A lot, but they lost. Um, they they lost in. Uh, oh, gosh, I think it was. Oh, gosh, I had it right there. What was it? Oh, there we go. So they, they basically they lost in five that the Knicks did to the Spurs. Back in 1999, so it kind of was a bit of a slap. I mean, because even in those games, um, there was a couple close close games of the five, but the other three were pretty much just the Spurs just you know took care of business as they should have kind of deal. So it it really is. I mean, the pre the pre I would say the pressure's on the Nuggets, but at the same time, I mean, I don't I just don't see how that you know how they how they don't just. I just don't know who matches up against him. Um, well, the guy that they're going to put on him, which is is a bit hard because he plays uh, – Nikola doesn't play – he plays more of the modern-day center. Uh, he's not your Shaquille O'Neal. He's not going to sit uh, – he can. He can sit under the, you know, um, under the rim and, and, and take it and do some post moves. He does have that, and he's very elusive for being a huge guy. He can back you down a bit depending on the player. Uh, but the biggest problem that he, with him is he has Stephon Curry shooting ability. I mean, even against Anthony Davis with his hand in his face, the guy just – and he has a Larry Bird – you know what I like about him? He has a Larry Bird shot. I don't know if you guys ever seen Larry Bird shot. It's the most ugliest thing in the world where he just like <laughs> – he has his hands, he kind of does the ball behind his, his head a little bit, he flicks his wrist um, as he throws it out there. It's like not traditional of what you teach, but Larry Bird was just – I mean, Hall of Famer, obviously. Uh, um, the Nikolai, I'm going to say Jokovic. Man, I, I, I feel upset that I, I can't get his name right. We need to go back and listen to this and see how many different pronunciations we've had for his name. Throughout this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was but just thinking about that last time David said his name. <laughs> I, I need to have like a cue card with like, you know, like when you look up a word yeah. and it has like the underneath. Spelling. Yeah. Uh, Nicola, but Nicola. no, he's got a Larry probably, Bird. Probably even saying that wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. But he's got a Larry Bird s s shot, and it just it's so smooth and going in. And so to me, uh, it's Bam. Uh, out of bio, out of bio, he's the guy underneath. It's going to be huge because, um, I mean, the the Bam. He is a nine for the regular season. He is a nine rebounder, twenty points a game. Um, and uh, the other guy, I mean, in the playoffs, during the regular season, he's a double-double, you know, guaranteed. But he had games where he put up 20 rebounds, you know, 40 points, you know, 30 points. Yeah. And That's pulling tough. Bam away from the basket, creating more drives. Uh, I know that the Denver has a deeper guard. Um, they're incredibly efficient at three. And so it's going to be – it's actually going to be an NBA uh, finals that I'm going to watch close up. So I'm well, actually excited. Well, and think about this though. I mean, look at, I mean, sure. I mean, the Nuggets pretty much have coasted through these, these playoffs, but I mean, the Heat have beat formidable opponents. I mean, it's not like they beat nobody. I mean, it's, they took out a, a, a Giannis in the, in the, in the Bucks in the first round, then took out the Knicks, how much there are five, the five seeded Knicks, which, they were a very a very good team, and the Celtics especially as well. So I mean, they they have earned their stripes. So truthfully, I mean, 
it's I think it's I do think, you know, if we're pick making picks, I, I'd say it's an the Nuggets series to lose, but at the same time, I mean the Heat know what to do. I mean, and it's not just Jimmy Butler. I mean, sure, obviously he needs to do his thing, but there's guys all, all over that team, like Caleb Martin, that's just stepping up and doing and doing what they need to do and doing their part to really help uh, help the team. So I, I'm going, you know, I, I hope the Heat pull it off. I mean, no one's ever, no eight seed has ever upset a one in the NBA. Well, this is the second eight seed ever to make the NBA finals. So yeah. none, none has obviously won just yet. So hopefully they, overcome but we'll see what happens i think the biggest thing is is what especially what you see in the nba and the reason why that the heat rolled past the knicks and uh can't remember the other team you just said is the knicks and the uh the bucks the milwaukee bucks is that milwaukee doesn't have anybody they can't pay anybody that's the reason why uh, what's his face you know stayed there he likes the small market uh but they they're a team that won a championship and was kind of a one hit wonder. And since then have not been able to bring talent in to coincide with the way the NBA works is, you know, you buy championships, you pay over the salary cap and you pay uh, taxes on that, uh, on that money. And, uh, and so, and then the Knicks don't have that star, that star level player that, that can match Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. But the problem that I see in this series is that I think Jimmy's going to have to be Jimmy because he's going to have to put up LeBron James numbers where he's going to have to have 25 to 30 a night. If he has anything that he has in game five and game six, I believe, uh, especially game six that he shot horrible for most of that game. I think Denver is just too efficient of a team and have too many weapons to uh, for the Heat to stay in it if Jimmy is not scoring a 25-10 and, and almost a triple-double a night. Uh, I'm hoping for it because I love him. I love him as a player, the grit that he has. Like, even after they won game seven, you had most players, that, they just looked tired. They looked, like, relieved that we, we didn't, you know <laughs> – lose the 3-0 advantage that we had and, and be known in history for that. But but Jimmy Butler, he just looked like a dog. Like he, he it, it was just like, all right, next, over and done with. And uh, he just always looks like he's going to fight somebody. And I love that about him. Agreed. Yeah. I agree with that. All right, so the next thing we're going to talk about, <clears throat> kind of interesting. I actually didn't know about this until uh, earlier today. I was talking with a coaching buddy of mine. Um, but I'm going to read a little quote out of this article, and then we'll jump right into it. College athletes across the country have benefited from name, image, and likeness that was legalized recently. There are now 20 states that allow high school athletes to seek NIL deals as Washington, state of Washington, Become state number 20. So here are some states that allow NIL deals. We got Alaska, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Idaho, which I did not know about, Iowa, Kansas, Washington, D.C., Louisiana, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Nebraska, New Jersey, New York, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Oregon, Utah, and Washington. All right, so uh, see, this says real quick, there was some confusion recently on whether or not Washington athletes could pursue deals, but a member from the Washington Interscholastic Athletic Association gave clarity on the subject. Here's what the handbook states. WIAA rules do not prohibit student athletes from engaging in certain commercial activities in their individual capacities. These activities generally refer to as name, image, and likeness will not jeopardize a student athlete's amateur status if they comply with the amateur standing rules of the WIAA. All right, so what do you guys think about high school kids and the opportunity to earn money through NIL deals? I, it, uh, it scares the crap out of me. It's, uh, you know, for a long time, I'd always kind of push for the idea that, you know, I would be okay with college players marketing themselves as a brand 
uh, and going after deals, you know, during college. I mean, college itself is, is uh, you know, 40 hours with, uh, with no pay. And it's a grind in itself. And if, you know, you're going to be going to the NBA or going to the NFL or whatever, you are becoming a brand. And so being an adult and having that opportunity in college, I could see both the pros and the cons of it. Uh, and, and so, but I was okay with, you know, adults being able to have more control over their name and likeness and going forward. However, the cons are is you're giving potentially millions of dollars to a young man that has or maybe doesn't have a foundation under himself coming into whether it's social media or the the lights and the cameras and everybody loves you because you're an athlete type of or, thing. Or young, or young woman. Or young woman. And so now you have high school kids. Like I can't even, like I got to kind of go back and use myself. I mean, I got in a lot of trouble in in high school. Uh, I got in some trouble in middle school. And I cannot imagine if the spotlight was on as bright as it was when I was in middle school and high school. Um, it took a lot of, you know, kind of like grounding myself and rebuilding my life, even that at a young age. And so for to basically say, okay, you know, you got a you know, whether it's a man or a woman, you got a sports drink uh, deal here, go out there and, and uh, you know, we'll pay you to, uh, you know, sell our drink type of thing. And then you give a young kid who's like, what? I mean, what's the age limit? You know, is, yeah. I mean, what, 15, 16 years old? High I mean, school. A, yeah. High school. You're giving them potentially thousands of dollars to then just say, you know, figure it out. It just, it, it kind of worries me that it becomes more of its exploitation of kids for, to sell soft drinks or to sell whatever brand. And regardless of like, who cares what happens to the kid, you right. know, if we start messing up, we cut ties with you, we bring in another one. And uh, it, I just have a lot of reservations about it. It kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit i don't know about you guys no i agree 100 percent. well and i think the other part of this too that it's important i mean look at look at how nil deals affected college right like um i'm a usc fan right but like usc has put together collectives of people who are former alums people who are in the area have lots of money like let's put together programs that will create money that we can give to people to lure them over right and so if we're going to start, and it, I can't imagine it would be far behind, start doing that at the high school level, all of a sudden, I mean, in Washington, what's a great great example, um, like O'Day, right? We've got O'Day High School. Um, they're going to start putting together collectives to get kids from all over the state of Washington and Oregon to come play at their school. And if you come to our school, you'll get money for being one of our players. We'll hook you up kind of thing. Like, just that whole issue connected to high school sports. That's not what high school sports is about. Like uh, that's what I loved about college. You know, the idea of college is you got people, schools get what they get. They've got to recruit, but they get what they get and how to make it work. And that's, I mean, at the high school level, football and sports in general is about your school has what it has and you have a close knit group of kids and they figure out how to learn and struggle through good and bad. And, and a very few elite of them get to win a state title someday in their life. And like, now that we're going to start incorporating that and letting money dictate that more than it already has, it just, it makes me sick. It's sad. Yeah, no, I, I think it's I think it's a horrible mistake. I just don't understand how you would be, be wanting to trust, you know, su such fortune. I mean, to to young kids, it makes no sense. It's bad enough that you have young adults that are eight, 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds that are being, you know, are being given the, the responsibility of of managing thousands, if not millions of dollars depending on the situation and and they're just kids and, and and so and you one could argue it's like oh well they have people around them whether it's their parents whether it's their 
aging. No, they don't. No, they don't. No, well, my point is that they say that. It's like, oh, they have people. Oh, no, I'm responding to them. Yeah, like like they have people around them that that are, are going to help them along and help them make the right decisions. They're the bull crap because it's their money and they're going to do what they want with it. And, it's, and then, so now you're putting that same responsibility. I mean, I, I wasn't as like when it comes to the NIL, the uh, name, it's name, image, and likeness, right? That's yep. what it's. So yep. when it came to college trainers, like for me, like I, I was okay with it just because of the fact that they're adults. They're, 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 they're a group of individuals that have been essentially exploited for God knows how long. I mean, like over the years, uh, for you know, for the NCAA. Um, so for me, I don't mind them having the opportunity to be able to make some money for themselves, especially with how much of a grind, like you said, Matt, you said it is, Matt, to try to make your, get yourself to that next level. That's so that I don't mind as much. I mean, I still think it's kind of like kind of meh, but at the same time, I can wrap my mind around it. But for kids, no, that's stupid. I, I, I think it's absolutely asinine to, to, to give kids the opportunity and then to, and to use those same opportunities to basically, uh, um, to lure kids to play for different programs, which I mean that that was such a huge thing about like you know about the the misuse of boosters and the and the, the misuse of, uh, of of funds and like of getting kids to be able to come to schools. Um, those are different shows that I used that I watched on Netflix. Um, from a uh, QB one to uh, oh, what's that one show called? It's a uh, oh my gosh, it's like a, oh Last Chance You. Um, oh, yeah. Like different, uh, different students like going to different schools and like you know and being, and you see it being. I mean, lured, and this is before all this went into play. So now you're basically you're pumping steroids into that system is what you're doing and making it okay. Just being like, well, you know, it, this is what we're doing. I mean, we're just trying to give the you know the kid an opportunity to present to represent himself properly. It's like, what are you talking about? Like all you care about is is bolstering your program, which is the way it's always been. Right. Um, and but and but now you're you're. You're worsening it because now you're making it okay. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense for I mean, again, and and I, and I think it's a fine line with college athletes to let boosters in, you know, for universities, especially big ones such as USC or LSU or Alabama or freaking uh, UCLA or Oregon. I mean, like these big schools are like, oh yeah, we got this, and we'll, we'll got you, we got you, we'll hook you up, and like and basically like wading into that gray area. And, and, you know, towing the line and trying not to cross it. Now you're just basically opening up the dam. Like the, you're just opening up the dam, do- the dam doors and just and, and saying, oh, whatever. I mean, you know, they they might as well get the money they deserve. Like, no, like that's bull crap. I mean, that's crazy enough for college students. But for, for kids, <laughs> absolutely stupid. I, it does not make any sense. I agree. And one, one thing I think that's really different about the two models, too, is like, like, I agree. I I. I was always an advocate that getting a college education paid for is very valuable. And I still stick by that. Yeah. Um, but the idea that the NCAA was making millions on the backs of kids, you know, that's one thing you could split that money up. I'm okay with that. You can sell me on that. High school sports is not supposed to be revolving around money like that. And unfortunately people, and we know one of them, but corporates, who want to make money, you know, those kind of people trying to bring money into places it doesn't need to be. I mean, corporate Nick, what do you think? Like, how do we, how do we do that? You know, unfortunately I've been seeing this over the last few decades where it's not just this rule. I mean, you're, you're seeing it where kids are given power and a lot of times people, they, they represent power to be a good thing, but power without control and protection can be a very devastating thing for a child. And unfortunately, it's not just in this avenue. It's pharmaceuticals. It's, it branches out in a lot of things that you know we probably won't talk about here today. But kids are being, I believe, preyed upon and exploited. And a lot of people think that it's empowering them when they have no idea of how to handle sponsorship. And for example, I'll use a couple examples um, of how the the point of high school and the point of childhood is to protect innocence, protect and build a foundation that propels you forward in life. 
And so an example of where this these opening these doors can have a problem, Macaulay Colgan in acting. There is one example where the exploitation of children and the laws put in place to make millions, his family, which was in control of that, uh, because Macaulay Colgan was a brand and made millions upon millions of dollars, uh, he had a lot of money stolen from him. And he had to sue his own family. It's a very hard thing to go from being a child and seeing this wrongdoing and being abused in this way and then coming into adulthood and having to make, I mean, it wasn't even adulthood. He had to emancipate himself and then sue him, his family, because that was the legal process to go about his family taking his money. Uh, and now we're starting to see it cross into sports where you know, kids could potentially have parents making these decisions for money, using their kids as a brand to be able to collect. And then you no longer become a kid. You no longer have a growth or a foundation. And another example of this is has to do with social media. Now you, you kids have branding. And more than ever today, I, us, I mean, us friends here, we're, we're the last generation to go from the, I like to call the analog, where you didn't have the necessarily the, the internet. There was internet, but not what it is today. And that crossover to the iPhone, everything of that sort. We were that last generation for that. You got and there. I can't even imagine being 16 years old, having a, a brand deal with somebody, and then making a mistake at 16, and then have everybody tear you apart because honestly that is seems to be the cycle of life you 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 rise up in this world where everybody loves you and then as soon as you make a mistake or you go in an area where people don't like then they spend every effort they can to tear you down and now we're going to introduce a child somebody that's 15 16 17 years old into that type of atmosphere with really no guidelines no safety restrictions i just Man, that's tough. No, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like, I mean, get out of my brain, twin. Because like, I was thinking the like, entire time about childhood actors, you know, just like, and it's just because that's exploitation. And 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 look what happens to most childhood actors. You're gone. I mean, <laughs> I mean, go through such horrific things. And obviously it's not, it's not the, the, the rule, but honestly, it kind of feels like it. And the exception is those who don't get affected by it. But even that aside, like, I just don't see how you you see it more and more especially when it comes to social media and just kids um being put in the limelight and just i mean these are these are pivotal years i mean to build foundations of yourself your own self esteem your own self identity and then you're putting that for everyone to see and then all of a sudden you just get torn down because that's what people are like the people behind the keyboards behind the computer screens are just looking for that one moment for you to mess up so they can tear <coughs> you down and not, and then and there's it's like it's it's basically it's a no holds bar at that point. It's 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 a battle royale. I mean, and and no one cares. No one holds back their punches because there's no repercussions for it on the internet. And and I I read this really interesting thing the other day. One of my friends on Facebook posted it, and it said that when we were kids, and it's someone actually that's our age, but and it's so weird for me to say that because if we're like so old, but I don't want to be thirty five, but still okay, boomer. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but like it said, like when we were kids. Like you like think it's a thing about when you were a kid, especially as an 80s or 90s kid, you made a mistake in it's it's eighth it's eighth grade gym class or better yet, it's like six or sixth grade gym class. You make a mistake, make an absolute idiot of yourself. It happens, it's the worst day of your life. And then move up, you move on. People forget. I mean, there's some people that remember for you know sometimes, but for the most part, people move on moved on with their lives, and years later, they probably don't even remember it. I mean, I've got some very embarrassing moments, especially I can I can think of a few throughout middle school. Middle school is just a dated, a hard time, man. Middle school it sucks. <laughs> but but anyway, I can think of some that really affected me as a kid, and that was without the internet being this huge thing where people are under the magnifying glass and get torn down. Now, same thing. Now, now fast forward today, it's that same kid makes it makes some stupid mistake, does something dumb, or like. Or like you know, make some some joke, horrible thing happens, and then all of a sudden, uh, 
he, someone gets it on their on their phone. Yep, that yeah gets it on their on their phone, videos it, throws it up on YouTube, or throws it up somewhere on, on the internet, like you know whether it be Instagram or <clears throat> or anything. I mean Snapchat, what what have you. And then before you know it, boom, they're just they've gone viral and they're and they're they're forever remembered for that moment because once it's on the internet, it's it's forever. Well, and like really quick, and, Dave, so I can yeah. attest to that. I mean. Some people, I think, kind of think it's uh, you see it on TV shows and that it's like a little overblown. It's not real. I had to break up a fight in the lunchroom this year. And, you know, I'm just focused on what's going on. This kid starts swinging at another kid. I got to get in there as a teacher and break it up and um, break it up, whatever. Turn around. There's like 10 kids seriously with their phone up recording the fight. I mean, that all got on YouTube and everything. Uh, Snapchat before the end of lunch period, you know, and so. And that's yeah, just crazy. In, in seconds, also, I, I in think seconds you... here, real quick. Sorry, in seconds you're immortalized, and and it just completely tears people down. So now you're adding all of that on top of all of this, where like you're this, you're you're pretty as a young kid, uh, someone who's building their self esteem, someone who's building their identity, is now being thrust in in like uh, pushed into the into the into the limelight, and and not only that, but then. With money, because you know, because oh, I mean, because who as a kid wouldn't want all that money? Like, oh, heck yeah, let's we can do so much stuff with my friends and blah blah blah, and everyone will like me and it's so cool. And you know, who you know, who doesn't want, I mean, everyone wants to be popular, you know, and, and liked. Um, so that's so that's what you're doing, you're, you're putting that in the hands. I mean, you know, and sorry, not, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't mean to use it, but I, I'm gonna use it, but it's basically, I mean, you're putting. It, it, it well actually now I won't go there but it's just you're putting a very dangerous thing in the hands of someone that doesn't know what they're doing and that's and that's that's what's so irresponsible about about this decision and that's it right there Dave that's the key like it's one thing if you're letting adults do certain things but like when you're when you're opening doors for for kids who don't know and don't have the maturity to do it it's just dangerous it's a dangerous thing um I will say this how long before that becomes normal. Then we have a transfer portal for high school kids. Do you imagine? Hey, man. And I think I kind of want to touch a little bit on a psychological standpoint. Me, that's kind of being what I studied in college. Um, during your early years, and especially your adolescent years, there is a tremendous amount of, of uh, maturity and development that every child goes through. And one of the things that, you know, with identity um, and one of the things that, that I see today, and I think there's a, uh, an Instagram uh, influencer and she's been on Dancing with the Stars and she did like these little Instagram and TikTok dances and everything. And she grew up doing that. And uh, when they ended up having their own show, and one of the things that you got to see that was very real and raw on the show was the fact that she had no personality. She didn't know who she was. Um, she molded herself to what her peers on the internet and what the internet themselves liked and disliked about her. And her and her sister, which we were both on it, a lot of the complaints and the hatred that they got, which is tremendous. They're one of the, the premier social influencers that was a part of the, the birth of, um, you know, Facebook and, and TikTok and Instagram, uh, being an influencer, YouTube. And one of the things that I saw that was just very devastating to me to see is for them to understand and have therapy and to witness and have their eyes kind of open to the fact that they lost a lot of development in being in this world where everything is scrutinized and they're they're not a person anymore they're a brand and i think mm -hmm. when you're in adulthood everybody we always think in a terms of adulthood and we try to project that onto children at times which could be it's very dangerous to do uh, but we always think in the sense of adulthood we have a foundation built. We have an identity, a direction, uh, and the tools to be able to attack life. And then you brand yourself and you go out there and you make money. You make <clears throat> yourself a, a beautiful life. 
but to throw that arm and allow that for children with no identity that are going through identity crisis and and going through where they're they're trying to figure out the tools to even just manage their life and manage the changes to their body, the changes to their mind, the changes to them uh, emotionally, psychologically, the list goes on. I, it's just, that's the only thing I'm just, I'm disheartened on that aspect that we're allowing, as you said, money to dictate high school students and, uh, and sell at, at what expense? I mean, I didn't grow up in the eighties, but I definitely grew up in the, in the uh, you know, the nineties and you have the eighties stars and you have the nineties childhood stars. They should be a reflection of the future of what they went through. You didn't see very many eighties and nineties childhood stars make it into adulthood and not have a good foundation of themselves. You see a lot of drugs, you see a lot of death, you see a lot of where they're 40 and 50 years old. And you're like, this is kind of a child. You don't see a lot of development and it's sad. And so it makes me, I'm just kind of scared, scared of uh, the years ahead by just opening the flood doors to, you know, to sell, sell it, baby. And the other yeah. thing is, I guess the question I posed to you is what can a high school kid sell? Like most of the people that are watching professional and college sports are in their twenties and thirties and forties. And I mean, most of it's probably twenties and thirties. Um, where the median age falls in that range. Like what can a high school kid sell he's that gonna, would ever be like, hey, he's going to sell, uh, he's going to be on commercials for uncle Bob's used car lot, you know, <laughs> right? or uh, Heidi Ho's donut shop or, you know, all those kinds of local things, but oh, it's, well, it's interesting, well, but well, we think about it though. Just one last thing. I mean, just, you got different got people. I mean, these, especially in these small towns, right? I mean, especially small towns or it doesn't even matter if it's a big, I mean, if it's a big city, you got these players, especially high school players. I'm just saying, you see, you see it. I'm telling you what you should watch these shows because it really, I mean, lets you see like the, not just the fact that they're kids and obviously they want to be cool and they want to like, you know, get to the next level and blah, 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 these different things. And they see it, but, but people throw things at these kids. I'm just saying, and honestly, like, for me, I, I worry about what, 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 um, wh wh where do you draw the line? Like, like, what would they not sell? You know what I'm saying? Like, just to be able to make themselves some money for their families, uh, to be able to, like, you know, to get themselves in a better position. It's like, oh yeah, like we we'll, you know, represent this, and we'll help you get to this. You know what I mean, kind of thing. And it it just doesn't stop. And 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 I just think, you know, for kids, I mean, so now you're talking about exploiting kids, and and I just. Yeah. It's a sick thing, man. I'm just saying, and and this and it's just not male <clears throat> athletes, female athletes as well. I mean, think yeah. of it. I mean, uh, I'm just saying, like you've got you got you got like a a got a male athlete having to like you know pu you know push for like some like store or whatever, like some dealership or whatever, or even just some thing that's just like very question questionable, more like morally speaking. And then you've got like you know someone's got their 15, 16, 17 year old daughter you know, posing for some, bull, you know, bull crap, you know, to because just trying to sell something like, you know, like that, you know, for whatever brand they're trying to sell. Like, yeah. and and the guys, that's happening right now on the internet. I mean, uh -huh. look at all these like TikTok influencers, social media influencers. These are kids. That, like, these are not just, everyone's not 18 and older. Like, these are children that are yeah. selling these things and having millions of followers and building these brands for themselves. That's, that's, that's regular. This is regular life going on right now. Yeah. So now, now, it's, now they're, they're going to put it branching out into sports, and it, it's 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 horrible, man. Like I, I like, gosh, oh, it just kills me. Hey, on that note, uh, let's go ahead and move on to our quick takes. <laughs> Try to bring back a little positivity, as that went pretty pretty dark. Good stuff, but dark. Um, yeah. You guys mind if I go first? Go for it. Okay, I'm gonna try to keep this quick, but. Um, it's U.S. soccer related, all of it, or just soccer related, I guess. But um, the key thing I was going to mention was about a certain dual national who flipped allegiances and now is going to represent the United States as a striker. We'll talk about that in a moment. But if you guys didn't know already, the U-20 Men's World Cup 
So those are teams of players that are 20 or under um, are playing. The United States are in that tournament. They went through the group stage undefeated, nine points in three games. Boom, baby. They beat New Zealand today 3-0, I think, 3 or 4-0, uh, and are on to the quarterfinals of the U-20 World Cup for soccer uh, in Argentina. So, yay, United States. Youth group looks good coming up. Um, nice. But the main main thing I wanted to talk about was the guy by the name of Florian Balagoon. Has anyone heard that name before? It sounds oh. kind of familiar. So Florian, or Flo, as he's known, uh, grew up. He was born in New York. Uh, and then shortly after that, his family moved to England. In England, he became a soccer player. He grew up playing for the English youth national teams. Uh, he's 21 years old. Currently, he plays, uh, I guess his rights are owned by Arsenal, uh, but he plays for uh, a team in the French League. And he is currently the fourth leading scorer in the French League as the league just came to an end this last week. Um, he has scored 20 goals. And I think, I don't have the stats here, I think he had like five assists, something like that on the season playing in that French league, which puts him only two spots behind a guy by the name of Kylian Mbappe for all, for the goal scoring of the season. And also five spots ahead of a guy by the name of Lionel Messi. So he's outscored wow. Messi in that league. So he's young, he scores goals and he's declared to play for the U S men's national team moving forward. Cause technically he's a dual national and so right. he could be the missing piece for this team, someone who can actually score goals in games. So <laughs> yeah. that's exciting. And that, that's pretty awesome because that is really the biggest thing, man. It's like we've never had a, a legitimate striker to compare with these other teams, and we just haven't. And, like, I mean, we've been able to to make do with – I mean, and that's not to – oh, that doesn't come off as, you know, as disrespecting the guys, the players of the of years past – uh, that have been like the catalyst for us, like guys like Landon Donovan, um, you know, that, Clint that Dempsey. like Clint, exactly Clint Dempsey, that we're huge. I mean, huge guy, you know, like players for our team and in our, and, and the, for the U S men's national team history. But, but there's no question though. I don't think anyone could argue that we just, even going to this last world cup, we just not, we don't have that guy, you know, we don't have uh Holland, you know what I'm saying? We don't have, um, well, Messi, like, or, or, or anyone, or even Ronaldo in his prime. <laughs> like, sorry, Christian, <laughs> uh, but, um, but that we, but we just don't, we, we never had that. So that, that's, that's awesome. That's freaking exciting, man. Yeah, and he's young, just like everybody else in this current pool of players for the U.S. Youth is nice because we, um, I mean, he's twenty-one right now. He's probably going to make a big move this summer. And uh, then he'll end up playing for um, probably not Arsenal next year. Probably doesn't fit into that role because they've got some depth there. Uh, but then he will be on the move to somewhere to be a starter. And in three years, the World Cup will be in the United States. He'll be 24 and hopefully have three years, three solid years, four years counting this year of being a starting striker and putting in goals wherever he plays and I mean that could be could be exciting to add to what we've got already. Yeah, I love it. All righty, and then I guess a quick shout out, uh, Man City. You know, big corporate Man City won the Premier League. I think that's the uh, was it like the sixth time in the last seven years. They just roll along, and nobody can keep up with them. Fortunately, Arsenal didn't have quite enough. They led almost wire to wire in the league, but uh, they just fell apart a little bit late as they got tired and man city is a machine that rolls on. Yeah. They just, that's a, that's a tough team, man. <laughs> it just is. <laughs> All right. So to move on to my quick take. Um, so my quick take is actually going to be highlighting a little bit of the, about the controversy that's happening with pride night uh, for the Los Angeles Dodgers. So just a little bit uh, of uh, background. So the Los Angeles Dodgers had initially, uh, they, they have a an, an annual Pride Night, which a lot of uh, teams do this, um, and not just in baseball, but also in other sports as well. 
uh, essentially, to, which is ce you know, celebrating um, uh, the, the LGBTQIA plus community kind of thing. Uh, but anyway, but, but but essentially what it comes down to is initially there's a, a group that, that was being highlighted and being given an award, actually, uh, during the night called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And this is a group that's been around since the 70s. And when it comes to the group themselves, they tend to uh, have people that dress up in like uh, men that dress up in nuns, nun outfits kind of thing. And and although they, it's it's one of those things where like when it was taught, when it was brought up that this was actually happening, there's a lot of people that, especially in the Catholic community, that were really upset because they felt that they were uh, mocking Catholicism um, because they're wearing nun outfits, which they say, oh, it's not about that. It's about basically pointing out bigotry and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and it goes back and forth, back and forth, this battle. So initially the Dodgers had said, we're not going to invite them to to Pride Night because of that kind of thing. And it was especially because of the large, um, and, and a big part of that probably was because of the large amount of, of, of truthfully, of the Catholics that are actually in that, in that live in the Los Angeles area. Um, but initially they did, they got, there was a lot of groups around the country, like different, like LGBTQ uh, uh, groups that essentially ostracized the Dodgers for me and, and like really was disappointed that they made that decision. And it was even beginning, there were groups that were pulling out of pride night because of it kind of thing. Uh, but there were also uh, on the other side of it, players even that, that were basically speaking up uh, against, you know, not doing that in the first place, which this isn't the first time this has happened. I mean, there's, there's different times even in the NHL where teams have chosen to wear like rainbow jerseys uh, in, in favor to, to support LGBTQ uh, plus uh, uh, communities kind of thing. And, and, uh, and there are players that have refused to wear those jerseys in the NHL, the MLB, uh, and around around the sporting world because you know to because of religious different you know religious beliefs, so they they choose not to kind of thing. So that's their choice. Um, but again, a lot of times it's 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 just kind of crazy because so that so that's eventually that's that's what happened. They got asked not to come, but then the Dodgers changed their mind, asked them to come back, kind of thing. No, we're going to invite them back to the to the night because and they apologized for what happened. Well, there's players like Clayton Kershaw, who's a pitcher for the Dodgers, um, who disagrees, and think because he he actually uh, um, he he was actually one of uh, um oh gosh what is it called goodness gracious uh so he he was actually one of the players that uh, that because they had announced that there was going to be a Christian family night essentially I would, I'm sorry Christian faith night is what they were going to be doing and uh, so they announced that. Um, but but he was kind of against the decision. There's another, another there's other players around the league that have also spoken out against um, this group, the Sisters of the Perpetual Indulgence, um, being a part of Pride Night as well. But I guess the the hard thing is for me, I guess my which my quick take is knowing all this is happening is do these things have a place in sports? Um, and and this goes back to I mean many different things, and it's hard. And like and I'm not saying that they don't, but it's it's just it's just a, such a difficult thing because it goes both ways. I mean, you've got one group that hates it, that hates another for what they believe, another group that hates another for what they believe, whether it be social issues, whether it be um, sexual preferences, whether, you know, whether it be uh, different identity, identity uh, uh, subjects, whatever it may be. But it's just, I guess it's just difficult to say, like, do the, when is it, when did it stop being just about playing a game and playing sports? But then I guess on the flip side of the coin, it says like, so there's a lot of th issues that transcend sports and there's a lot of even social uh, things that have transcended sports over the past, you know, 100 years. So, I mean, it's just, I don't know, I, I guess I bring this up just because it, it definitely is conflicting for me personally, just because I get it. Like, you know, I, I can understand Kershaw's stance, but I can also understand the other side of it as well, you know, kind of thing. But, but it, it's just, it's hard to, to, to draw that line and say, oh, we're okay with this but we're not okay with that. You know what I mean? Like we deserve to have like this group A deserves to be heard and be represented and feel like they're included, but group B doesn't, but then group B feels the same way, exact same way towards group A. So it's just like, when does it yeah. end? You know? Yeah. You, you know, know, I think, I think you bring up a good point. Um, no matter where you sit politically, I think, I think two things, right? Two things that come to me that I think are really important in this. And that, number one is 
you know, I don't think anybody should be forced to support something that they don't believe in one way or another. You know, yeah. we've seen and we've seen definitely pushback for players who are opposed to Pride Night, for example, right? And feel uncomfortable wearing the jersey or being out there during the celebration or whatever. Um, and on the flip side of that, I mean, if we had a Christian faith night in a sport and you expected every athlete to wear a cross on their their uniform, right? Like that would not be appropriate either because, um, you know, there's all sorts of things out there. Like it's it's tough. So that's number one. Now, number two, I think is the most important thing about this is all of these things, and maybe I'm just a cynic, but all these things have nothing to do with inclusion and support and everything to do with the bottom line, the dollar bills. You know, we want to get people involved and connected and showing up and paying money to be there. Um, right. And watch these things. That's really what I think all of this is about. Um, you could try to dress it up however you want, but um, I don't think rich billionaires really care about inclusion. Um, I think most of history in sports and outside of sports would support that statement, but it's tough. It is tough. I mean, I know athletes want to use their, their position to affect change. And I think that's kind of expected of athletes nowadays, but um, when organizations kind of force down your throat, that's, it's uncomfortable. And, it's, and I think it's wrong. Yeah. And, and that's in both ways. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some could easily be listening. It's like, Oh yeah, here's this, this hypocrite, hypocritical, you know, you know, Christian guy that's like, you know, anti-LGBTQ or like, no, like, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying it goes both ways. Like, I think it's inappropriate for anyone to force anyone to, like you said, man, to do something that they don't believe in. I just don't feel like that's right. So that's my question. That's my quick take is like, what, like, does that d belong in sports? Like, you know, like to have that, like, we're just here to watch a game, man. That's what we're here for. Like, at least for me anyway, but, um, and I'm not saying that you can't use your platform to, you know, to, to, uh, speak out against, you know, inequality and, um, and against like, you know, people that are being downtrodden upon, like, I understand that to a certain extent for sure. But I just think that, you know, forcing something on someone else also isn't right. And that goes both ways. So, yeah, for sure. but I'll probably get ostracized for that. So, Hey, rock on. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's your quick take. Do what you want. That's right, baby. You can cry if you want to. <laughs> Well, speaking of crying, uh -oh. I'm, I'm here and I'm going to, as usual, I'm going to do a little bit of a different quick take. We're going to pull back away from sports and we're going to do my quick take is going to be a movie take. Um, there is a movie that I watched over the weekend that hit me very personally um, in the way that I grew up. And I think it speaks volumes to the topics that we cover here today especially with uh, with children and uh, early early uh, adolescent and early adult development and so i'm going to highlight a movie called the sun starring hugh jackman and laura dern who both do outstanding in this movie and the movie surrounds a broken family hugh jackman and laura dern were formerly married had a child and uh, they got a divorce and Hugh Jackman ends up having a new wife and a child. And the movie surrounds Hugh Jackman's first child with Laura Dern and the developmental issues and suicidal uh, conflict that the movie surrounds itself along with the complexity of being a parent especially a parent a father an absent father um, and a broken home and the movie has this muddled anxiety and just heavy pressure that it it, it uh, displays to you throughout the entire movie it's not a movie that again because i know i've done this before and it's the movies that I suggest are very powerful, they're very deep, complex, and they don't necessarily have the greatest of endings, but it shows a very real reality of life. And this is another movie that I'm I'm telling you, if you want to watch a movie, it is an adult movie, not a movie for 
I would recommend for kids to watch, but uh, it is a, uh, a powerful and very enriching movie about the struggle of growing up as a young man with with without your parents, especially your father around uh, and seeing them build a family with somebody else. So uh, my quick take is to say, I recommend watching it. It's on Netflix and uh, you know, you probably will cry. I bawled quite a bit during this movie. So that's my quick take. I like it. It looks like David's about to ball right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> now, I, I didn't know that movie got released. I mean, I'm excited to watch it. No, it's good. Yeah. Anybody who listens to this pod knows that especially you guys are major cinephiles. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's a big word right there. I feel pretty That's proud right. of that. That's pretty good. <laughs> right in there. Cinephile. <laughs> All right. Shall we leave with a little philosophy? Let's get yeah. it. All right. Uh, we like to pretend we're deep thinkers on this podcast. You know, we, we talk about the deep issues. We reflect. So I thought this is fitting. And it kind of fit in with what we talked about today. So this is a quote from Socrates, the great. Um, the unexamined life is not worth living. So as I was reading that, thinking about it, I was trying to pick one yesterday. I was like, hey, we're not going to miss this pod this week. I'm going to be ready. Um, it's thinking about, you know, how important it is in life for us to be able to, to think and reflect and, and have time to do those things about right. what we've experienced, what we are experiencing now and how to grow and be better people moving forward. And so that really stuck out to me. The unexamined life is not worth living. I love it. There we go. On that note, uh, peace out, Girl Scouts. Adios. Adios, man. See you next week. See ya. Yeah. Yeah.